Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast and the Mindset Matters Edition, where I'm joined by my wife and Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Together, Stephanie and I engage in a conversation about different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that we're living in and through one of the most impactful global events in history. And let's face it, few have trained for or are equipped to deal with the life that is unfolding before them. The need to pivot in your business, your career, or perhaps deal with shifting family dynamics lies before many. We hope to inspire you to ask yourself questions or pause to consider how you view your world, your life. We'll invite you to check in on where you are on your journey, and are you still clear on your intended destination, or has it changed? Join us for this in our series of Mindset Matters. Listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to Mindset Matters. Stephanie, hello. Hey hon. So we've got a cool topic I want to cover today. I was inspired by Ryan Holiday, you know, very, very amazing author. Young. Young, brilliant guy, wrote Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way. Highly recommend if you're uh, following this podcast, we uh, get a lot of our insights and inspiration from uh, Mr. Holiday. Well, you know, I think it's, as much as it's Mr. Holiday, what he's done is he's taken the, you know, Marcus Aurelius meditations, he's turned them into a book. Well, not just Marcus Aurelius, but he's taken the Stoics, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. Seneca. Yeah. And really broke them down in a way that translates to, you know, some great guidance in, in a way that we can understand because, you know, the way they wrote back then, it was really quite complex. <laughs> it was deep. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I, you know, a long time ago, uh, over the years, I think I want to start, I want to say four years ago, at least maybe five, three, five, I don't know, I've lost track. But I started reading the Daily Stoic. And then I also started doing the Stoic Journal, which is a twice a day exercise where you reflect on one of the meditations, how it applies in your life. You start the day there. I just recommend it for anybody. And I went 365 days plus, and uh, it was really kind of impactful to the degree that I didn't even realize how much, number one, I was stoic by nature and had some of those things, I guess, that I just grew up with, but also what I was able to give context to and apply in my life. And to this day, it's one of the things that we both have an interest in and both try and do. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that um, I love about what we're going to talk about today is that it's kind of the theory or the theme with a lot of my clients I use is let's do the opposite, not the obvious. Because most of us write to-do lists, right? We like I will list to-do lists and we've got lists of things to do till, you know, next year and check them off and feeling accomplished. But this is kind of the opposite. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, stoicism, there is a fundamental, there's some underlying foundational things and one of which is being aware of how you're being, who you're being. And this, of course, is a conversation that came into play because we, in our work with Shift, in our coaching, we do an exercise where we walk people through creating a context for their life, where they're intentionally designing and being aware of who they want to be in the context of their life. So I don't want to go down that path, but it really is something that the Stoics did, you know, 
so many hundreds of years ago. And so I want to talk a little bit about today. There's seven things that we're going to touch on today that the Stoics say, don't do this. Right. So it's not like an I do. It's an I don't. I don't. And by the way, we all know these. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're, they're not new. And this is not a lecture, by the way. <laughs> well, the, like we say, sometimes or most times when we're bringing these things up, it's because we're doing the work. It's showed up for us for some reason or another. And uh, this is certainly no exception. So we're going to go through these seven kind of talk about them, uh, riff off them really quickly. But this is just bring your awareness, reminder, maybe there's something here that you can uh, bring into your awareness today, you know, listening to this. Okay, you ready to kick it off? Let's go. Okay, first off, don't complain. And hey, hey, I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Where did you get that? I don't know. Okay, so at least don't be overheard complaining. But yeah, you know, the other side of it is don't complain to yourself. Now, there's something about complaining that, you know, we try and practice even within our own businesses and the team, which is don't complain. If you've got a complaint, then either look at what you can do to handle what you're complaining about. Own your need when you need and or go to somebody who can have the conversation rather than just mindlessly complain and have it go nowhere. Yeah, some people think that venting is actually progressive and it's helpful. And unless it's in a context of what we call clearing, which is just clearing the space, being heard, journaling, whatever, complaining is not helpful. It's not productive. Well, it's interesting because it's easy to complain about traffic. It's easy to complain about the driver in front of you. I'm going to use that as an example. But just to give you a context, you know, I'll complain in the moment in traffic. And if Stephanie's my passenger, she'll go settle down. He's just not from here. And so <laughs> I do that all the time. You do that all the time. And it annoys me because I'd rather complain. But the point is, is that, you know, complaining takes away. It is an energy leak. And in the world that we've got going on at any time, especially these times, we don't need energy leaks. There's enough of them around that uh, if we manage our energy, don't let that complaint take you down that path and suck that energy out of you. Reclaim that energy by not complaining, qualifying it to your point. Yeah, he's probably just not from here. Okay? Got it. Okay. Talk. Don't talk more than you listen. The old... Oh, so Patrick... <laughs> I know, I'll quit it. <laughs> no, I won't. I No, I listen really well, by the way. That's my job as a coach. I do extremely well at that. And I'm also... And it's a trained skill. And it's a trained skill. It is very much a trained skill. You know, the point is, is that, you know, we've been given... Your mom told you this. Your dad told you this. You're given two years, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. And I trying to remain a conscious of that. But I'm also a speaker. I'm also an educator. I'm also a coach. So I guess sometimes I do talk a lot. Well, you know, and I... I have a lot to say, by the do, way. <laughs> let, very, me, let me interrupt you again. Very I do interesting. Have, I have a lot to say. Well, I'm thinking too, is that when we're listening and actually hearing people and not formulating the next thought or what we think they're going to say next, we're actually honoring the person we're with. And I think listening and hearing are in some ways two different things. I can listen to you, but if am I hearing what you're saying? Am I present to the intention? Am I asking the right questions? Or am I busy formulating my next thing I need to say? I have been many times called out because somebody will say something and I'm just listening and then I don't necessarily respond. And they're looking at me going, okay, Francie, are you going to say something? And and I always just say, I'm buffering. <laughs> buffering. 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 <laughs> I'm not all that fast. No, it's true though. It's, it is listening. And sometimes if there's a space for people to let what they've said land, then they can be with their feelings around what they're saying or what they're not saying. Yeah, there is a, a place where, and, you know, when you're listening and then be an active listener and 
acknowledge that you're hearing what somebody is saying is also helpful. So these are just little yeah, things. Yeah, little that, tips. But be careful. Yeah. Watch your watch your blind spots because I know someone that will be listening to me or to somebody else, and they go, mm-hmm, 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 oh yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's not helpful. That's not active listening. That's actually irritating. So uh, we had a coach, and this was what woke me up to this several years ago. And he would be talking, and everybody would be going, "Got it? Yeah, okay, got it, got it." And he stopped one day and looked at. I don't know if it was me or who it was at the table at the time. could have been me. Probably was. And he said, okay, what did you get? Tell me what you got. And there was like blank stares in the room. Crickets. (laughs) He goes, quit doing that. You know, if you've got it, I understand. But you don't got it. And he called everybody out on it. And I don't know that I think about that incident. But it really opened my eyes to when we're talking to people, they go, got it. You know, it does serve you to say, great, can you tell me what you got? Maybe you didn't hear me the way I wanted you to hear me. These are just little insights. You know, it's not making anybody wrong, of course. It's just realizing that we're all guilty of it. You know, we want the conversation to be over. Okay. Okay. Got it. We want it to be over. That's funny. (laughs) Okay. So. Next one. Next. Don't identify with things you own. Material things are fleeting. And this is something that over the years I've become... Well, you know, I'm not a material, I say I'm not materialistic and I don't, I don't need a bunch of toys. You know, I've had them in my life. It's not that I've totally not had them, but I realized, number one, I don't want to, I say it all the time. I don't want to wash it. I don't want to insure it. I don't want to have to worry about it. I just, it, I don't need it. At this time in our life, we've learned, you know, the first time you roll out your brand new car and then you're in a parking lot and someone dings the door. It's like, ah, oh, man, you know, yeah. so it's where the attention goes. I mean, what we call our house, the shoes on house, because truly I break a glass or something every single day. There's something that, and there's, I've broken some really important things to me that Mm -hmm. I thought were important Mm -hmm. until I realized they're, they're just things. Yeah. So we, if we identify with things, of course, to Stephanie's point, you know, if you identify with it, material things are, of course, you know, they go away. They, you know, they no longer matter. And at some point, if that is part of your identity, then you're searching for the next thing. Well, think about also, sorry to interrupt, but your job maybe, or your career. I remember back in the day when I was with the Oilers, I identified as the Oilers skating coach. It was a big deal. First female with a contract, blah, blah, blah. And I was so proud of that. And then nine years later, I'm transitioning out, doing other things. And I realized there was a time where you really had to work me through this is that I didn't know who I was. I remember Wade, our wellness coach and friend said to me, you're the princess under the pucks. You got to find the princess again (laughs) and not Mm. princess energy, but you know, the the feminine and find that place because that wasn't my identity that left as soon as it was so fast and so over that I couldn't even process it myself. And I really needed help. It's a powerful question to ask yourself to contemplate. Who are you if you're not that? You know, if you're a business owner, if you've got a career, a high profile job, any kind of a job that there is some kind of, what's the word? I don't know. But Well, success too. I'm dealing with a a bunch of Olympic athletes, Olympic champions Mm. and medal winners and world champions that are going, okay, now what? Who who am I if I'm not a professional athlete? Um, Well, you're still an amazing human being and person. So let's use the qualities that you took to get there and turn that and translate it into you just continuing your life going forward. The classic case of the other side of the medal. And folks, we all have that. So bring your awareness to it. 
and how connected are to you to your identity that's connected to the material things you have, the or home you own, the cars, the, the jobs. empty nest syndrome. Sure. Who are you if you're not a parent, right? And so these are things, I mean, you're always a parent, but... But the act of like yeah. the, the turning 18 of a child or somebody graduating, I'm watching, you know, seeing that on social media all over the place, they're celebrating these graduations. And now they're like, now what's my job? Now what? So be careful of what you attach your identity to. And these are things to be aware of. Don't compare yourself to others. As Marcus Aurelius says, I think it's Mar Marcus, it might have been Seneca, actually. Comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, welcome to social media. Welcome to social media. Welcome to moments in time captured in a picture, in a selfie, in that single, you know, we often, years ago, I always said this, you know, that Hallmark card, you know, a couple walking down the beach and it was so romantic. That was literally a split second when that picture was taken. And if they weren't actors, fine. But if that was just a normal couple, like literally 13 seconds before that picture was snapped, they had been maybe fighting for 45. So my point... <laughs> point is, is that these are moments in time and comparison is the thief of joy. And if we find ourselves comparing to your point, social media, we have to, it's subconsciously, I think it takes a shot at you. It does. And to the self-worth, deep, deep self-worth, especially when, you know, we talked about the levels of energy and, and how it can bring us right back down to the root of the lowest energy of guilt and, and shame. Like I, I'm shameful that I don't have that relationship or that body or that car or whatever that person's proud of. Because truthfully, I remember when I shifted off of comparing myself and I, it just such a freeing moment was when I said to somebody, I said, you know, I need, I want to be the best in the world at something. And I don't know what, but I know I want to be the best in the world at something. And then I heard a quote, I think it was Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones said, I'm Keith Richards. I'm the best in the world at being Keith Richards. How can I be anything else? And when I realized I needed to be the very best Stephanie Hanlon Francie in the world, because I'm the only one, I realized that I can just be an honor, especially the people around us who I want to excel and I want to win and I want to get behind. So even in a coaching moment and not transferring anything onto anybody else, knowing that the only way I can be the best in the world at something is if I am working on myself. Well said. Don't suffer. Number, I don't know what number six, we're on. I think five, oh, no, six. five, whatever. Doesn't matter. The next one. Don't suffer the worries of the future. In other words, we have to be very aware that if we're living too far into the future, and I, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm taking my own advice. You know, we have to, because I'm a future thinker, and I really have to work hard at bringing myself to being present. And most of my future thinking is of the negative. So my own work that I have to do is actually not future thinking. And I think part of it is just driven by how much research I do and how much research the team does. And we're always looking in the world of real estate and business where I'm always looking at risk mitigation. Now, having said that, I'm looking at the ups and downs of markets and, of course, what the impact of these changing economic times are. And oh my gosh, it is really, really tough because there's so much negativity out there. There's so much seeming risk into the future, but we really don't know. And so future thinking or... Well, future state is an exercise I use with the athletes. That's a different conversation. You know, you can go, you, you did it brilliantly once. You said, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? So if you can get yourself and writing down, okay, I'm going to be a homeless man pushing a buggy down East Hastings. 
No, that's not possible. Okay, if that's the worst case scenario, work backwards from that. Mm-hmm. But the, fr- the future state exercise, for example, when you're in a world of goal setting or goal getting, for example, is the terminology we use, is that there is a moment where you can give yourself the pleasure and the fantasy of reaching out into the future and actually dropping some really nug- good nuggets into the future that you want to work for and, you know, really pursue. But to your point, if we're living in the future and processing the future as if it's going to be negative, that's where anxiety lives. That's where depression lives. So when we think about it and we, we can have the skill to pull ourselves back to the moment, give yourself the exercise. Do a future state, positive, negative. What's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? And then bring yourself back to the moment. Go walk in nature. Go scratch your dog. Go, you know, have a reality check, you know. The sky is not falling right now. Well, you know, it's interesting that we talk about don't suffer the future worries because they're not here yet. You know, I did a podcast with uh, a guy by the name of Ray Ostrander on the TEDM side of things, which will be dropping. I don't know when we're going to release it. But anyways, Ray is a very, very accomplished real estate investor as well as a coach. And we talked a lot about, you know, real estate investors, what's gets in their way. And he talked about, you know, and we both, him and I kind of riffed off it a little bit, the fear of failure. But in that conversation, what we both know and stated really clearly, it's rarely the fear of failure that people are bumping up against. If they stop, go, what is your fear? What is your biggest fear? And they go, well, fear of failure. Well, what does that mean? Well, I might lose all my money. Okay, but just keep going down that path. What does that mean? And so often, the fear of failure is just the surface challenge, the worrying of the future. What's really underlying it is what people will think of you. Your mm, friends, your family, yeah. your peers. Because, of course, if you're judging, then, of course, people are judging you, mm-hmm. right? So if, it's the judgment of the failure. And, mm. and the story that we tell ourselves. And I'm going to, I'll mess it up. But there is that quote, and I don't know whose it is, and which is, we're not who we think we are. We're actually who we think other people think we are. And God, it really so is such a awareness to have. And when we talk about that fear of failure, we're actually telling ourselves a story about what people will think of us if we fail. And that's the actual underlying fear many, many times. I don't know about most. I've got no data to support that, but I would say often. Well, the funny part, I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt was was uh, given credit for the quote, if, if we really understood how little people really think about us, yeah. we'd be surprised. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, my mom always used to say, other people's opinions, sweetie, are really none of your business. Yeah. Oh, and I just remembered that quote. Can I go back? Yes, please. Okay. The quote is something like, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not even who you think I am. I'm actually who you think I think I am. <laughs> That's so wow. deep. I know. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but it's so it's so true. It's, it's a true. mind stretch, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, really. Okay. Number whatever. Practice temperance, which mm. is... Manage what we indulge, how we indulge. And, you know, there is this phrase that, you know, anything in moderation is okay. Mm -hmm. But as we go into the summer, you know, maybe we have a tendency to overindulge. I know I do. I I practice temperance. In the winter. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I practice temperance at least one day a week. No, the truth is, is that, you know, temperance has to be an awareness that we bring. And, you know, you and I know this, and we've talked about it many times over the years, is that, you know, you'll go to a great dinner, and then the next thing you know, you're eating for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, and then I the mean, next day there's like a food a, hangover. food hangover, and you're really just eating because the food's so freaking good that your taste buds keep going, give well, me more. it's true, but there's also something that is really important, and I think it is missing right now in a lot of places is delayed gratification because I think temperance also can lead to the skill of delaying gratification. Like, do you need the moment, do you need the hit of, of adrenaline right now? Do you want to, you know, hit the like button and, you know, be a collectivist when it comes to something you're feeling online. And so there's that moment where can you just pause, you know, put your fork down at the dinner table and go, am I really hungry? You know? And if so, then take another bite. But I really, really work, and I'm seeing it a lot with my clients, especially the Olympians. They have to wait four years to get to the next Olympics, and they never know what's going to happen, right? So being, you know, aware of delayed gratification, but also managing the energy around their indulgences. Okay. And last, maybe, but not least, manage your judgments. Wow, that is really hard these days, more so I think than ever, but manage your judgments. There's a fundamental that we have to always come back to is we don't know what's going on for anybody else. And so manage your judgments, you know, we all screw up. And so be cautious about what we're judging. And again, in the world that we live in today, there is energy leaks everywhere. And managing your energy and saying, where do I really want to put my time, my energy? And when we get into this world of judgment and constant judgment and constant make wrong and or back to complaining, these are all energy leaks that is just not healthy. Or, or defining what we believe is right and then imposing that judgment on someone else. Mm-hmm. It gets so ridiculous. I mean, we it's the awareness of, you know, people walking down the street with masks on by themselves. My first judgment is that looks ridiculous, but... I don't know, maybe there's something that they are going through that I have no idea. That's not my place to judge. So these are difficult things. It's really an awareness. I think it's also a discipline mm-hmm. of understanding. Now, in the you know bigger world of Stoic, we always go back to one fundamental underlying rule, which is what can we control? And ultimately, we can't control circumstances outside of us. And ultimately, as much as we try, as much as we worry about it, as much as all of these things outside of us, we sometimes feel at the effect of and or a victim to, all we can really do is manage our emotions and our reaction to it. And sometimes that's mind games. Well, that's why mindset matters, right? Is that that's why we started this podcast is because the only thing that the most important real estate we have is the one between our ears, you know, our mind, our consciousness, our perception, and honestly, being able to navigate what's going on externally right now, it feels like it's all a test. It's all a test. And to come back to source, come back to self, come back to what matters in your context for living, for example, who I'm being as a wife, as a, as a business partner, as a friend, as a mentor, you know, who am I being? Am I being true to that? Regardless if I'm in a rage at the airport and there's 300 people ahead of me and can I bring it back to the source, to the self and, and go, this is what it is right now. I mm-hmm. can't change it, but I can have a, I can have my own experience of it. And I think that's really important. You know, the judgment's an important one. You know, many, many years ago, uh, I was, I had a partner who we split and he did his thing. I did my thing. And 
you know, we were both angry at each other for a couple of different reasons, but ultimately, you know, I knew that he would not succeed on that in that business. And I just recall that the constant judgment and he literally and finally did go out of business. And, and I realized in the moment I took no, I don't know, it didn't make me feel one bit better. Mm -hmm. I actually felt bad for him because I know how difficult it is to run a business. And I realized that my anger and whatever was with him and my wanting him to fail was just a huge energy leak. And then when he finally did it, like there was nothing in that for me. I went, wow, I put a lot of energy into that. And that goes back to the old case of, you know, when you're angry at somebody, it's like, you know, drinking poison and expecting them to die. Yeah, it's that vindictive energy yeah. that just serves it's not good. no it's not one. not healthy. And, well, one and thing. I took no pleasure in it. This is my say. Yeah. At the end of the day, I took no pleasure in it. As a matter of fact, I had so much empathy and compassion at the time because I just realized. And I mean, now, this, I mean, he and I did business together a lot after that and became good friends again, both realizing we just went through a shitty time. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. And I think if we can just expand on that just a little bit more in the world and Again, I, I'm just bringing it back to sport for a moment, but in ice dance and figure skating, it's a judge sport. And we got to let the judges judge. Judges judge. So as a person, as an athlete, as a skater, and then a performer in any kind of, you know, even in a speaking environment, people are going to judge. Mm -hmm. So let them judge. Because if you're giving your best self, your performer self, you're just giving the best that you can, you really can't care what people are thinking. You just can't. You, you do. Most of the time I do. But in the moment, if I'm honoring my values and giving the world what I can to judge, then I have to leave it out there. People are going to, they, they say the 33, 33, 33, 33 are going to love what you do. 33 are going to hate what you do. And 33 are going to go, hmm, I don't really care. Whatever. So being attached to the judgment is judging yourself. So release that if you can and understand that we're going to let the judges judge and I'm just going to do my best performance. Okay. And we're going to call that a wrap for Mindset Matters. Seven things don't do. That was fun. Bring it to your awareness. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.